The Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, today we'd be able to hear the words that you want to say to us. And Lord, I pray that we would have faith to apprehend the fulfilling of your word in our midst as we respond to the good news that you offer in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, Deb and I and our family, we lived in Pauly's Island um, several years ago, and uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was nice in some ways. Pauly's Island is a beach town in South Carolina. Um, but um, Deb goes regularly to a chiropractor, and so uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things about living down there was uh, the chiropractor that she ended up going to uh, was a little bit of a piece of work. Um, he was an interesting guy. So, um, you know, she, she goes to, to, sets up this appointment, and uh, she's going to go, you know, get her back aligned, whatever happens at chiropractors. I've been to one, like, two times, you know. I think it was helpful, but anyway, other people, like my wife, find it way more helpful. Um, and so, you know, like the goal, right, is to align her back, to reduce pain, um, to, you know, be healthy, all that, that kind of thing. So her first appointment, you know, she gets adjusted and thinks, okay, there we go. And the guy says, well, I should probably see you three times a week. She was like, oh, that seems like a lot, you know, that's, that's something, you know. And then, you know, he, he said things like this often, this would say, and you've got, you've got some neck pain, right? She'd be like, well, yeah, I guess so, that's why I'm here, right? And she goes, have you tried one of these pillows? And he would kind of sell her on like a little pillow that she could use to kind of help her neck, you know. She'd be like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's something helpful, great. Um, you know, and then she'd go back two days later, because again, three times a week, she'd go back two days later, the next appointment, do the adjustment, but then he'd say things like, you know, do you take any supplements? I've got some for sale out, out front, right? There, there's, some, there's some supplements I've got for sale. Um, you know, do you, have, do you have a back brace? You know, does it work? You know, is it helping you? Um, I've got one for sale out here. Could I interest you in a timeshare on the beach? No, that never came up there. But that's sort of what it felt like, right? Um, it was always, Deb, Deb realized, she was telling me, that he was always upselling her on some new thing that was going to hold out some future promise of health and wholeness. The price was, well, buy it up front, you know, ask the, and, you know, obviously he was getting a little kickback. He was gaining from this relationship. And, you know, uh, it ended up feeling exhausting to Deb because she felt like she had to sort of, like, like get her defenses up before she went to her chiropractor, where, which was like, okay, just do the adjustment. And no, 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 I don't want to buy anything else, right? Um, he wasn't uh, indicating to her that he was interested in her healing. He was indicating to her something else, that, that she was being used for his own benefit, right? You guys ever been part of a relationship like this, where it's like every time you talk with a person, you're like, I got to defend myself against what you're trying to do here. Has anybody been part of that? That with somebody, somebody's not free to just be with you and and use words to represent reality to you, and just offer that to you, right? That there's always some sense of coercion in the relationship. There's always some sense that they're trying to do something to you. That they're using their words to try to like get you to behave differently so that they feel the benefit. I see some nodding heads. Okay, so this is familiar. Um, the good news today is that Jesus isn't like that. That's what I want to say today, that Jesus isn't like that. And the reason I, I want to say that is, is that's not how Jesus uses words. And we see that in the gospel passage that we read today. Jesus isn't a slick salesman trying to get us to buy timeshares in the kingdom of God. Uh, he, the gospel is not, and I know this is what a lot of us have heard, but the gospel is not a future promise, a carrot on a stick, that's available if you behave yourself. 
right? It's not, it's not something that, that God says, okay, here's a promise, but I'm going to need you to do this and this and this and this. It's not a carrot on a stick designed to manipulate us. And Jesus isn't upselling us when he announces the kingdom to us. What Jesus is doing is announcing the arrival here and now of God's new world. It's good news for the poor. It is freedom for the captives. It's sight for the blind. It's release for the oppressed. It's salvation. It's freedom. It's flourishing for everyone. No exceptions. No prerequisites. The gospel isn't a carrot on a stick designed to manipulate us into behaving better. The gospel isn't good advice that you can apply to your life. It's good news about the freedom and the flourishing that Jesus is enacting. And it's happening now in your hearing, just as it was happening to them in their hearing in the gospel passage that we read. So as we proclaim this good news, it's present. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in our hearing, here and now. The good news is present. Good news for the poor. It's here. It's now. Will you respond? Will you say yes? Will you join up? That's our good news today. Our gospel passage was Luke 4, and uh, we ended the reading. The lectionary writers, in their great wisdom, which is mysterious to me sometimes, um, they ended the reading right at, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But really the story continues, which we'll find out next week. If you want a sneak peek, uh, you could just look in your Bible um, and find out what happens. Because it's shocking a little bit what happens to Jesus as he comes, his homecoming tour, he's coming, everybody thinks he's awesome, he's coming home and he preaches and then uh, something shocking happens. I won't, I won't give it away. Uh, Becky's going to speak on that next week and preach about it next week. Uh, because there are further implications to this story about what it means to say yes to this good news. So if we identify today as the poor, and we're all in some way the poor, we all in some way feel cut off from the flourishing that God wants to bring us. And the good news is for us today. But Becky's going to proclaim next week some of the implications of what it means to belong to this kind of kingdom then, where flourishing and freedom are offered to all. No exceptions. Nobody's excluded. So today, we rejoice in the good news that we are included. Next week, we will wrestle with the challenge of what that means for us as includers of others. But today, we want to focus on this verse, verse 21. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In the gospel passage, Jesus, uh, in the gospel so far of the gospel of Luke, Jesus has been anointed uh, by the Spirit in his baptism. Uh, full of the Spirit, he's driven by the Spirit. The Spirit keeps coming up over and over in the gospel of Luke. He's driven by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He returns now to Galilee victorious. Where Adam failed, Jesus, uh, Jesus was victorious. Jesus conquered. And now he returns to Galilee, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit, And this passage lays out what are going to be the contours of his whole ministry. And there's almost, in the the text uh, that Joel read, there's almost this slow motion effect. Like if you imagine watching a movie, you know, like they they heighten the drama when they put things in slow motion. Um, And so there's almost this slow motion effect in the text where like Jesus gathers, they're at the synagogue, and then like everything slows down. Jesus stands up to read. He's handed the scroll by the attendant. He unrolls the scroll and finds the place in Isaiah where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, captives released, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, the year of the Lord's favor, and then nothing else, which Becky will talk more about that next week, that Jesus edits Isaiah just so he's he's sure to make sure that you understand what he's saying and what he's not. So again, I'm not going to get into it, but previews of next week. 
Um, and then we're still in slow motion, though, because Jesus rolls the scroll back up. It's like a reverse of everything that just happened. He hands it back to the attendant, and then he sits down. And sitting down is the traditional posture of teaching for a rabbi in this day. And so everybody, the eyes of everybody are fastened on him. What's he going to say about this ancient promise given to a disappointed people who are back in the land, but we haven't seen the promises fulfilled. We're not sure what's actually, what God is up to in our midst. What's he going to say about this very precious promise that we have as God's people? And Jesus begins by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Audacious. Right? To say the least. It's audacious, to say the least. Because he doesn't hold out Isaiah's scripture and say, you know what? The reason that we're not seeing the blessing that is promised to us is because we're not behaving right. That was the message of the Pharisees, basically. We've got to get these people to keep the law better. Then God will come to us. Then he'll bless us. Then we'll find this, what we need. Jesus doesn't ask people to just wait a little bit longer. The time isn't quite right for justice for the poor. He doesn't affirm the rightness of their position by talking about God's wrath on those evildoers. That's the part he skips, by the way, from Isaiah. Jesus doesn't use words like that. He's not a salesman. He's not trying to get us to behave better. He's not trying to coerce us into anything. He is simply using words to represent reality. And the reality is that the kingdom of God has come in his life and in his ministry. He's saying the promises that you hope for are present in my body. They're here for you in this place. He simply declares, you just heard scripture make history. It's coming true right here in this place through me. It's happening right here, right now, right before your very eyes. It's happening. And then he does it. The rest of his ministry is doing it. Good news for the poor. It's sight for the blind. It's freedom for the captives. He embodies it. He demonstrates it. He says, this it's happening through me. And this is the paradigm for his whole ministry. This is what he's here to do, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is jubilee language, the year of jubilee. Some scholars actually uh, posit that uh, perhaps he was preaching this in the year of jubilee. It's like 26, 27 AD. Maybe he was preaching in the year of jubilee. And the year of Jubilee was all about slaves being set free. It was all about debts being forgiven. It was all about the land goes back to its original owners. It was this big socioeconomic reset button for the whole economy. The, whole, like the way that the life worked was like reset. Every debt you've incurred is gone. If you're a slave because you, you fell into debt, like those two things were related, um, it's gone. Right? The land goes back. To the original allotments. This is Jubilee language. And what Jesus is proclaiming here is good news for the poor. And we ha sometimes have an idea of what the poor is in our minds, right? It's people without money. And that's true. But it's a bigger category uh, for Jesus um, and, and for the people that, that were listening to him. It's, it's, about, it's not just economic poverty, but it's about people who are marginalized for any and every reason. There was a whole host of socioeconomic, uh, socio-religious reasons that people would be excluded from the blessing of being part of the community. And that's part of what Jesus' healings and exorcisms are all about. They're not just helping an individual feel better, although that's good enough. But it's also then restoring them to community, restoring them to the, to the because that, that they had this disease and that means they, they couldn't be part of the community, right? It'd be like if there are people in our church that we were like, you know what, you can't come to church. You can't come and worship for whatever reason. 
And Jesus is resetting all of that. And so he's not only healing individuals, but he's also then restoring them to community. Those who've been excluded, those who felt left out of the blessing of being part of the people of God are now included. They're drawn in. You're part of it. No strings attached, no prerequisites, no deductibles need to be met. You're part of the healing that can take place here. That's what Jesus is doing. So the question for us today is this, where do you feel cut off from that freedom? Where do you feel in your life cut off from flourishing? We've all got areas like this. We all feel like the poor in some ways. If only this relationship were different. If only the situation could change. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's for somebody else. Maybe your heart burns for, for justice for others. If only this would change, then, then we could have the flourishing that we need. Where are you feeling cut off this morning from the freedom and the flourishing offered in the gospel? That's why it's audacious that Jesus says this. He doesn't say, hey, look, look, at all of the, look at all the stuff that's already happened. See, I'll prove it to you that this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, in, in the midst of things apparently not being solved, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's good news for the poor, sight for the blind, freedom for the captives. Today, here, he's overturning the way the world works. And this follows on from you know, earlier in, the, in Luke's gospel. Uh, we heard Mary's song when she was rejoicing, the Magnificat, it's called. And in there she says, he's brought down the rulers from their thrones, and lifted up the humble and the meek. He's, sent the, he's, he's filled the hungry with good things and he's sent the rich empty away. There's this great reversal happening in the life and the ministry of Jesus. No conditions, no prerequisites, no deductibles need to be met, no asterisks, there's no fine print. It's salvation, freedom, provision, presence, power for everyone who wants to be part of it, everyone who wants to come, specifically those who've been kept outside of the blessing. And the good news for us today is that it is happening right now in our midst today. As we proclaim this word, Christ is present among us. Will we dare to believe that this can be ours today? Will we say yes? That Jesus isn't waiting for a more convenient time. Jesus isn't waiting for a less disruptive time. It's today. This scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. Last Sunday, or last Monday, was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, you see, I follow a bunch of people on Twitter, and so that's how, that's how I knew it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's lots of stuff on Twitter. Uh, but one of the things I saw, it was really interesting. Um, one of Martin Luther King's uh, most uh, meaningful uh, contributions uh, was the letter from the Birmingham jail. You guys have ever read that? Uh, and I found out that the letter from a Birmingham jail was written in response to white pastors who were saying to black people, just wait a little longer for justice. The time isn't quite right. This isn't really, let, I know it's a good thing, but just hold on. Hold on just a little bit longer. At the time, people aren't ready for it. Let's just hold on a little longer. And letter from a Birmingham jail was Martin Luther King Jr. saying, the wait has almost meant never. Always, almost always has meant never. We must come to see that justice too long delayed is justice denied. And what Jesus is, I want to draw the, the thread to Jesus here. What Jesus is doing is something similar. Where he's saying, I know that things are a mess. But we have to proclaim and announce this new reality now here. 
so that we can start to say yes to it. It doesn't happen from the top down. It's a seed that gets planted and a new world begins to arise out of the old. That's okay. We're trying to, we're trying to get the audio out there too. Is it one? All right, thanks. What's that? The audio is great. Okay. Good. Okay. Asterisk in the middle of the sermon here. Uh, we're trying to get audio from the sermon out into our little makeshift cry room out there for our little babies uh, who are... And so anyway, I'm glad to hear that the audio is doing well. Also, uh, Isaiah's phone freaked out just a little bit, so I don't know what was happening there. But we're back. Okay. All right. What Jesus is doing is something similar to what Martin Luther King Jr. was saying, is that we have to announce this reality now. We have to respond to it now. It has to be a seed that gets planted in the ground and comes to flourishing from within the old world. This is how the kingdom comes among us. As we hear the word of good news, this is the new reality. God's creating a new world, and we say yes. Right here, right now, whatever that means. Whatever that means for us. And this is how the proclamation of the gospel works. This is how God's word works in a community. We're used to thinking about words as information, data we can analyze, um, advice we can apply to our lives. But God's word, the gospel, is not information for us to analyze. It's not advice for us to apply to our lives. It's alive. It's active. It's announcing reality to us. It's revealing something that's been true the whole week, but now we're just coming to see it for the first time. Ah, the kingdom of God is here. And this is how we train people to preach. We're right in the middle of our college of preachers. Becky's preaching next week, Andrea the week after. Um, proclamation for us, sermons, are not TED Talks designed to blow our minds. Uh, sermons are not lectures designed to give us facts to analyze. Sermons are not pep rallies designed to fire us up for God. Sermons are the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. So in some ways, we're saying the same thing every week. Every week we're saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What are you going to do about it? That's essentially the gospel. This is, this is what's real. This is what's true. Will you say yes? Will you surrender? Will you trust? Because sometimes it feels like, like I don't know. I don't, Jesus, are you serious? I'm not sure if that's really true. But the act that surrender, trust, means yes, we say, okay, okay, Lord. This isn't something for us to analyze. This isn't something for us that we demand you, you prove it's true. Proclamation creates the potential for the reality to become present in our midst. And as we surrender and as we trust, it catalyzes that into something that is happening in our midst. That's what we're doing every week. Our discipleship is the same way. Those of you who have been in DNA groups, you know this. Discipleship isn't about like getting our act together. Discipleship isn't about us trying to behave better. Discipleship is about us learning how to hear good news in our everyday lives, not just when we come to church on Sundays, but in our everyday lives. How do we hear good news about this situation, that situation, this place where I feel cut off from flourishing and from blessing? It's words that create a world as we respond to them. And so the gospel, again, isn't a carrot on a stick. It's not a promise of a future heaven designed to manipulate us into behaving better. The gospel isn't good news for you to apply to your life. That's it's not good advice for you to apply to your life. It's good news for you to respond to, to say yes to, to receive with your body about the freedom and the flourishing that Jesus is enacting. And it's happening now in your hearing. Will you trust Jesus today? Will you say yes to this good news? And just in, in Jesus' day, it creates a tension 
in the hearers. It creates tension for us, and it should, because God's word is proclaiming a new reality. If we want to submit to it, then we can. Great, fun, wonderful. <clears throat> more, more, more technology that I don't understand, but I trust you that this is good for you all out there. Um, so it creates a tension for us, um, and we can, we can protest. We can say, well, what do you mean good news for the poor? There's poverty everywhere. People are suffering everywhere. We still got racism. We got misogyny. We got awful problems. What do you mean good news for the poor? How could you say today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing? But there it is. There it is. How do we say yes to it right now? How do we say yes to this good news? Because God never coerces. God's not a coercer. God announces and he invites. Here's, here's what's real. You want to come. You want to be part of this. And Jesus announces that this is happening. This is the new reality. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So how do we say yes? Uh, one thing to say is that like, the rest of our worship service is our yes. <laughs> That's the reason we come to this table. That's the reason we're going to uh, proclaim our faith. We're, we're going to pray together. We're going to confess our sins together. This is our yes. This is us responding to the gospel, coming to the table, being sent out on mission. Um, actively participating in this service is a way of saying, yes, this isn't a performance for you to enjoy. This isn't a lecture to give you thoughts to think about. <laughs> this is God's presence in our midst. We say yes by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. So that's the invitation. Will you say yes to this good news that's happening today? So where have you felt cut off from the blessing of God? Where have you felt cut off from freedom and flourishing? Maybe you feel insecure financially, economically. Today, surrender that fear to God's provision. Trust him for daily bread. His grace for today. Maybe you feel lonely, unwanted, unloved. Surrender that shame to God's presence today. Take your place in the body of Christ. Trust that it's true that you have a place here. You're a member of the body. Given to us to give and receive. Maybe you feel insignificant. Maybe you feel unimportant. Surrender to God's power and authority today, which he longs to share with you, inviting you to participate with him in the things that, he, that he's proclaiming to us. Um, one way this is working out uh, for me right now is Deb, Deb just had surgery a couple weeks ago, and um, I've been, especially the week after surgery, I was caring for her. Um, and realizing, um, realize there was a, I'm trying to say this in a short way, but like there was a, as, as I was sort of half working and half attending to her needs, I was realizing that there was a new uh, sweetness that was coming into our relationship that I really enjoyed and really, really loved. Um, and the good news for me was, was, uh, was just, uh, <laughs> are you responding to the good news over there? Yes, wonderful. Uh, the, uh, the good news for me was that my freedom and my flourishing are bound up in these relationships that I have with those who love me. And I realized that it was contrasting with some bad news that I believed, some, a lie that I believed about where my freedom and where my flourishing was going to come from. And I thought it was going to come from my autonomy. I thought it was going to come from my ability to kind of do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I saw interruptions and people needing things from me. This has like been a theme in my life. Interruptions, people needing things from me, is a, is a hindrance to my freedom, a hindrance to my flourishing. And the good news that I'm believing is, no, 
my freedom and my flourishing are bound up in a connection with these people that I love and who love me. And so for me, responding to this good news, the kingdom of God is here, right? It's good news for the poor. In that sense, I was an impoverished person, believing that my autonomy was going to give me freedom and flourishing. So for me, saying yes to the good news means I, I just believe this every day, and I, I look at opportunities, try to, as much as I can. Look at opportunity, look at people needing things from me as an opportunity to connect with people that I love and care for. That's an example of just how this good news is kind of coming home for me lately. But let's um, pray together, this prayer of response that's in your booklet. Where is it for you that you need to surrender to this, to the good news that's here and present today? And we'll pray this prayer as you feel led together. Lord, thank you that freedom and flourishing are available to me or us today. Help me or us trust this good news right now in blank. Where is it for you? Where do you need to trust that God's life is available to you today? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that freedom and flourishing are available to me today. Help me trust this good news right now in my relationship with my wife and with my kids. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah.